Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. I'm thrilled to be joined by the legend Jerry Allen today, the longtime voice of the Oregon Ducks. You know him well and you love him. We're going to be diving into the Oregon versus Oregon State rivalry game, uh, potentially the last one for a while, uh, with no games currently on the schedule going forward between these two teams. We're going to look at the uh, the matchup between the Ducks and the Beavers on Friday. I'm also going to talk to Jerry about some of his favorite Oregon versus Oregon State memories. Uh, really good show for you today. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. All right, we've got Jerry Allen on the show today. You all know him, you love him, the voice of the Ducks. Jerry, how are you doing today? Zach, I'm doing really well. Anxious, short week, Thanksgiving on top of that. Wow, it's a crazy time of the year. Yeah, there's kind of a lot going on right now. The short week, there's a lot riding on this game, at least for the Ducks. Um, I know that Oregon State, since they lost last week to Washington, they don't have the chance to get into the Pac-12 title. It kind of felt like that was going to be a little bit too much in my mind. It felt like the last civil war we have for who knows how long. I know they're trying to work on a 2024 game, but um, if it was a win and get into the Pac-12 title for both games, that kind of feels like it might have been a little bit too much anxiety for Oregon fans. What do you think about that? Uh, that would have been like a Hollywood script. I mean, like uh, you know, <laughs> one of those dream games that the whole nation would have gotten involved in. Um, it's too bad it couldn't happen. But in a yep. way, I'm kind of glad it's not that way because you hate to see one of those teams lose in a scenario like that. Yeah, that would have been really tough. So we're going to get into some of the memories of past matchups that Oregon that have taken place between Oregon and Oregon State. But um, I really want to talk just about this specific game. Oregon, 10-1 coming in. Beavers, 8-3 and three coming in. Um, like I said, trip to the Pac-12 title on the line for the Ducks, a potential college football playoff spot on the line for Oregon if they win this um, and should beat Washington in a rematch. Um, it's coming on Black Friday, potentially the last rival we see, last rivalry we see in a few years. With all of that buildup, like kind of what's your, you know, your anticipation for this game? How excited are you for this game? I'm, I'm like a fan. I'm really excited for this game because – well, a number of reasons, Zach. It's the final civil war, if you will, and everybody's still calling it that. I know they don't want it to be called that, but that's what they're calling it. Uh, it's the final one as the Pac-12 conference. Now, you're right. There's, there's going to be other meetings coming up, and mm-hmm. I'll look forward to those. But that that alone is uh, is an emotional thing to, to have to prepare for. Um, and then then you put together the fact that Oregon's really good. Yeah. But Oregon State is really good. I mean, the Beavers nearly took down Washington on, on Saturday. I mean, it could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing really good football right now on both sides of the ball. And then it's it's a rivalry game. So, you, you know, you do mention the records, which are pretty impressive for both teams, but you can almost throw you heard it before, throw the records out when you have a rivalry game. You never know. Um, it's going to be charged electrically charged it's going to be a sold out standing room only there'll be a lot of beaver fans here i'm sure they scooped up all of their tickets so Mm -hmm. it's it's everything you could ask for when when rivals get together both playing really good football 
and a lot on the line, really for both of them. I mean, the Beavers have a lot riding on this too. I mean, it depends on whether or not maybe they move up in the rankings and get to one of the New Year's Day Bowl games. Mm-hmm. So like we mentioned, I mean, there's a, a good chance there's been some reporting from several people that these two teams will try and meet again in 2024. We didn't initially know that when the, the Ducks went to the Big Ten Conference. I'm not sure that I was ever doubting the fact that this rivalry was going to continue into the future. Maybe I didn't think it was going to happen next year. But when you heard that news that, you know, that they're at least trying, not that anything's set in stone yet, not that it's going to happen. How, I guess, relieving was that to you to know that, you know, they're at least efforting to try and keep this a thing into the future? I felt good for the fans. I mean, the Mm -hmm. the players obviously want to play against their in-state rival, but the fans have a lot of history. Uh, There are a lot of families that have um, sons or daughters or grandparents, moms and dads that have gone to one or both schools. So there's a lot of a lot of history, a lot of memories, a lot that's gone on. And so to suddenly stop that and not have that to look forward to again, I mean, next Thanksgiving, two or three Thanksgivings from now, nobody throwing mashed potatoes across the table at each other because there's no rivalry game. So I'm I'm really excited about it for the fans, and, and they'll get to continue, hopefully. Um, all the memories will still be intact, and they'll be able to add to those memories. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this game specifically. Answer this question for me. Oregon needs to be worried if blank, if blank happens on on Friday. Yeah, if Oregon State can run the ball, then that means that DJU is going to be able to throw the ball. So we have to stop the run. I, think, I must say the Beavers have to do the same thing. But Oregon has been very good against the run, allowing 100 yards or less for the most part on the ground this year. And they need to do that again. That's not going to be – easy against Oregon State because they've got a really good up, up front. The offensive line's good, and and things have been working for them. So that, I'm sure that's what they're going to try to do. Oregon's just going to try to run the ball. Oregon's got to not let them run the ball. That's where it starts in the line of scrimmage. This feels to me like a game where time of possession is going to be so critical because I could see you know Jonathan Smith telling his guys this week that, hey, if we can win the time of possession this week and if we can keep Bo Nix on the sideline and keep Oregon's offense off the field – they think they have a real shot. I just, I think this is going to be one of those games, like you said, if they can run the ball and if they can, we saw that in the second half against Washington, that they kept Penix off the field for, for much of that third quarter. And that's really when they started making their comeback and had a shot. So I think that's probably what they try again in this game. Well, that's part of running the ball. I mean, if you can control mm-hmm. the clock and, 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 you know, you get first down, you get three or four yards and then second down, you get another three or four yards. And then that third down is makeable. And then you take another, what, two minutes off the clock for the next possession. So, yeah, I mean, that that's part of what I think it, you know, is Oregon has got to not let them do. Don't let them, you know, use that clock. They're going to want to get that ball back as quick as they can. And Oregon's a quick strike offense. They can't. They can drive down the, the field and take off time. But they, they want to score as quickly as they can. Uh, Oregon, Oregon State, I if they can get a score right away, if they could go 75 yards in two plays and get a score, they'd take it. But ideally, I think you're right. They want to control that clock and not give Oregon very many chances. Try not to get into a high-scoring ball game with Oregon. Yeah, they're never going to turn down those touchdowns if they can get them. But I think ideally, if they can muster up some 9, 10, 11 play drives, that's what they'll take. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, they get it. Um, I've got a relatively random question for you. How into the jerseys do you get? How into the, the uniform selection for Oregon do you get? 
because there's been in this matchup, there's been a lot of, you know, school color versus school color, green versus orange or yellow versus orange back in 2020. Um, there's been some talk online about fans wanting a blackout. Fans want, uh, we're going to wear black this week. Other people want them to wear green. What do you think? What do you want to see everyone wearing on a Friday night? You know, I want, I'd like to see whatever Kenny Farr and Oregon's <laughs> equipment and managers come up with. I'm kind of like, Head coach Dan Lanning, when we say, yeah. what, do you, what do you wear on game days? And when I open my locker, I see what's in there, and that's what I wear. I I'm, I love the uniforms. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I have one I don't like. Uh, I like the eggshell. I think that's that, yeah. that pops. I just like that. But that's a road uniform. I don't know what, what they'll do for a home game. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much down the middle. I don't, I don't guess if they said, hey, pick one, Jerry. What do you want us to wear? I don't know what I'd pick. Yeah, it's kind of a you kind of gotta trust in Kenny Farr and just and just have all the faith in the world that yeah. he's gonna put them in the right thing on the on on Friday. Yeah, it's really it's really funny too. I'm I'm just gonna toss this out because it's amazing how many fans have an opinion on what uniforms to wear based on whether they've gotten beaten in those uniforms. Yeah. Uh, if Oregon is lost in a color combination or whatever, and then we hear they're gonna wear that right away, I start hearing from people, what are they doing? Why do we yeah. wear that again? They, they lost in that uniform, but um, it's, you know, I always say, you know, it's not the uniform that wins or loses. It's the man inside the uniform. That's very true. It's it's funny you bring that up. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, like last week when they broke out the eggshells, yeah. like I saw some people like, oh, they're, they're two and six when they wear the eggshells <laughs> on the road with this. That's like, okay, all right, maybe yeah. we're looking a little bit too far into it at this point. <laughs> Um, real quick before we get to our uh, our Oregon State memories, can we talk about the Heisman Trophy real quick? Um, Bo Nix currently is tied in the betting odds, at least, with LSU's Jaden Daniels, and Michael Penix is right there as well. At the moment, Daniels has slightly better stats than both Nix and Penix, um, but LSU also has those three losses. In the end, how big of a factor do you think that should play, that win-loss record should play when deciding who this award goes to? Well, I think the Heisman is is obviously for you know the best player in in college football. But it goes to quarterback quite often, and a lot of people don't think it should be spread around a little more. But I think the quarterback gets the credit for a lot of wins, but he also gets the credit or the blame if if there are losses. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you look at most of the guys that are competing for that Heisman, they've had. A good, good game, and then they have maybe one game that's a little subpar. Then they're back up. Bo, Bo Nix, in my mind, has not had a dip in his season. Every game has been solid, and that's part of the reason that Oregon is is where they are with the record they have. Michael Penix Jr. It'd be hard to argue that that he isn't an unbelievable quarterback. He, he's the most pure passer I think I've seen maybe ever. He, it, for a lefty, the ball just spins differently for him. So it, it's it's tough to to say who really deserves it based on a win loss record, but I think that has to figure into it because a quarterback can help his team win, especially in those moments when a play needs to be made, a read on the defense needs to be made. A lot more goes into what a quarterback does in a ball game than just his completions and yardage. And I think Bo Nix is one of the best at managing the offense and getting the most out of them, and that's what I think gives him an edge. I agree. I, I went and did some research on this because that, that question was coming up a lot in my mind, and I saw a lot of fans asking it as well. In the last 15 years 
Um, only four times has the winner of that award not making it, not made it to the college football playoff or the BCS back when it was um, back before the playoff started. So yeah. it kind of seems that it, it goes, to, like you said, usually goes to the quarterback on one of the best teams, maybe not the best team. Uh, like last year, Caleb Williams got it when they didn't make it to the playoff either. So um, it'll be really interesting to see down the stretch. I know that both Knicks, if they win this week, and Penix will have an extra game over Daniels to maybe put up some of those stats as well. That's looking too far ahead, but I know it is. It is looking too far. <laughs> it is looking too far. All right, let's talk about let's talk about this game and this this current matchup. Before we came on today, I asked you to do a little bit of homework for me. I wanted to talk about some of your favorite memories against Oregon State. Some of your favorite memories, whether it's top three or top five between Oregon and Oregon State. Um, I just wanted to kind of talk about this rivalry with you and see what you got for me. Well, I, I have to mention my very first Civil War back then. It was called the Civil War in 1987. Um, mm-hmm. God, you know, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember whether we went to Corvallis or it was in Eugene. I think it was in Eugene. I know it was 44 nothing. It was a thumping. Bill Musgrave um, was a redshirt freshman quarterback that first year. Mm-hmm. They opened that year going to Colorado as a big underdog and upsetting Colorado. And then the, the season ended, I think, in a six and five season. We really thought Oregon was going to get a bowl, but there weren't as many bowls then. So mm-hmm. they didn't go far enough down in the conference's standings to, to pick teams for a bowl game. Otherwise, Oregon would have been bowl eligible, I think, in 1987. But that was a 44-0 opening civil war game for me. And it was, that's a pretty good memory there. Mm-hmm. There are other great memories and there are other not so great memories, but that was my first year and introduction. And I had been a fan before. I mean, I was a duck fan and and then I worked with and had some really good friends who were Oregon state Beavers. Uh, so I was, I sort of had an appreciation for Oregon state too until I started working for the university of Oregon and then I became a duck <laughs> and I didn't appreciate them as much, but 1987, that first game is uh, will always be one of my very special memories of the Civil War. Okay, yeah, I, I like that. I love going back all the way. I forget what year was the uh, the toilet bowl, the zero zero tie. You remember yeah. what year that was? Uh, I was there, and it was a foggy, oh, drizzly, miserable. I was yeah. a fan. Yeah, you know? uh, I want to say I need to ask Jorgy about this because I think he played in it. <laughs> oh, did he really? So, I didn't yeah, know that. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. I, I'm gonna, I'm have to double check on that, but. Um, you know, I don't remember because it's not a memory you want to remember. Yeah, that's there's not many memorable things that happen in that unless you're a big <laughs> fan of defensive play. Right. Okay, what other, what other memories you got for me? Uh, the next one would be probably the 94 season uh, when the Ducks had to beat Oregon State in Corvallis. Uh, and if they could get a win, and it wasn't going to be easy because it was a rivalry game and Oregon State was pretty good. Uh, Danny O'Neill, Dino Filia, uh, went to Oregon State that day, and and it, it ended up being a really tight ball game. And the difference in the game late was a screen pass from Danny O'Neill to Dino Filia. Um, hmm. I remember looking at the field. Oregon was going from my right to our left. Um, O'Neill went back, found Filia on a left flat with a screen, and and he picked his way down and scored. And that was the difference in the ball game. I think Oregon won it seventeen to thirteen, but one moment in that ball game, we'll never forget. It's a funny moment. You can ask Josh Wilcox about it. It was a second or third down. I have no idea where it was. Might even been on that final drive. But Josh was just totally exhausted, fatigued. I think he hadn't been feeling very well. And 
he'd gone up to the line as a tight end. He got down to his three-point stance, and then he started slowly in slow motion rocking back, and he couldn't stop himself, and he fell right over on his behind. Of course, the penalty <laughs> flags flew, and, and it was a five-yard penalty, but uh, it was a funny moment in a game that turned out to be a good memory for Oregon. That, that Civil War was 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 a, a special because that's the one that sent Rich Brooks and the Ducks to the Rose Bowl. I was going to say that's yeah that ninety four year that's kind of a, a very historic season in Oregon yeah. lore. I remember before they changed the uh, the inner walls in Austin Stadium down on the field that always had the ninety four plastered on the side. Kind of that that number always stuck in my mind because that was a very special year. That was I was one year old at the time, so that was before <laughs> I was around to be a, a a major Duck fan. But I definitely have heard a lot about that season. I think that was a season. A kid named Kenny Wheaton had a. Pretty oh, incredible was it? Yeah. interception, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was, I think you actually kind of became pretty famous that year for, for one of your calls, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was all Kenny Whitten. All I did was talk about it, scream and jump and down and yell. And that, in that game, by the way, that Washington game, that was a huge play. But uh, later in the season against Arizona, Danny O'Neill um, would scramble on third and long. It might have even been a fourth down, but... If we'd had a replay today, probably wouldn't give it to him. But he got tackled and went down, and he reached out with a ball. And it was a first down by probably the length of the football after the measurement. But if they would have reviewed that, you would have seen that his knees went down before that. But there were a lot of plays that season. The Kenny Wheaton was just the most exciting one. But the end of the regular season when Oregon beat Oregon State to go to the Rose Bowl, another Mm -hmm. memorable Civil War. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next memory. Wow. Probably, there's so many of them, but I guess the next one would be, again, back in Corvallis with Chip Kelly when the Ducks Mm -hmm. beat the Beavers solidly. And we knew at the time that if Oregon won, they were going to go to the national championship game. There was no playoff. 2010, correct. Yeah, 2010. 2010. 2010. So win the Civil War and go to the national championship game for the first time ever. And it was really funny because we got to the end and we knew we were going to win it. Georgie was in the locker room getting ready for interviews. Jay Allen was down on the sideline with the sideline mic and I was alone upstairs and I just lost control. I was just like yeah. blubbering. It was like, oh, you know, I just couldn't even talk. I remember saying, guys, help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> because it was such an emotional moment. First time yeah. ever. And Oregon is going to the national championship game and they did it at the end of the season, winning the Civil War to get there. And so, again, another reason the Civil War or Oregon and Oregon State would call it now is such a huge rivalry. 38 seconds, and Thomas takes the snap. And the field is rushed by players. And the fans want to come out but won't be able to. But they'll celebrate in the stands as the team heads down to the end zone. And fans... and their fans, their team, the band, all out of the corner. 
through the end zone, celebrating, congratulating each other, and living in the moment. And somewhere down in that humanity, a soaking wet Jim Kelly is talking to the media about his team and what they have accomplished. Unbelievable. To have been a part of this. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you brought that one up. That is personally my favorite memory of the Civil War. I remember just I have goosebumps right now talking about it and going back online and and finding your call on YouTube and just listening over over and over again. It was just that was a very very special moment. For, I mean, for me, I was in the I was in the middle of high school at time at the time, and that was just such wow. a huge season, obviously. And um, yeah, remembering that moment, like you said, having being able to do that against Oregon State and go to the national championship game, that was a, a very special one. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's definitely my favorite memory from the Civil War. Yeah, probably. You know, for me, it's hard to hard to separate them and make one more special than the other because they all mean so much. Uh, mm-hmm. Even even and it's only been two overtime games between yeah. Oregon and Oregon State, and Oregon State mm-hmm. won both of them. One yeah. in Corvallis and one in Eugene. So I hope I hope this doesn't go to overtime. Yeah, that's or, maybe that's a big key to the game. No get, overtime. No overtime. <laughs> or you could say it's Oregon's turn to win in overtime. I don't that's know. That's true. I thought it was interesting. That's true. Do you have, uh, have any other memories that stand out to you? You know, just a lot of the players. I mean, Jonathan Smith, I watched him play, you know, for Oregon State as a quarterback. And he was, I've said this before, I, I hated Jonathan Smith because he was so damn good. I mean, it's just, he was really, you know, um, it wasn't a true hate. It was a dislike of, you know, of yeah. your in-state rival because they were so good. And he was, he was amazing. Um, and now I have so much respect for him as a head coach. So it's really funny to go from disliking somebody because he's so good to now appreciating, respecting him and liking him because he's so good. It's, it's crazy. But yeah, Jonathan Smith will always be uh, one of those memories that I have. I, I'm going to go back in, in my career, some of the people I worked with when I wasn't doing broadcast, and the Spiegelbergs, Scott Spiegelberg, mm-hmm. who worked for Oregon State for a long time, and Barry, uh, Scotty was a quarterback there. Um, Steve Endicott, who I went to Grants Pass High School with, was a quarterback at Oregon State. Tom Blanchard, one of my teammates, was a quarterback at Oregon. So a lot of connections between Oregon and Oregon State for me. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of sidebar memories, I guess. Absolutely. All right, I've got one final question for you. We'll get you out on this. This is a little bit of a, a longer question, so bear with me. Okay. You were in Eugene in 2001 when Oregon arguably should have gone to the championship. You were there, like we said, in 2010 and 2014 when they did make it to the championship games. You know what it feels like to have these years with these incredibly high expectations and ultimately to, to be close to a team that made it to that final game. I understand that personnel and coaches are different with this team, but what about this team in 2023 kind of reminds you of those past teams that did make it to the championship game? And, you know, what, I mean, they were, they were close in 2001. I should make that point. They didn't make it to the national championship game, but most people thought they should have. What do you see in this team that gives you somewhat some sense of confidence that they can ultimately get back to that stage once again? Well, I think there are a couple of things. I think I think coaching, obviously, I think Mike Malati was a, a tremendous coach. Uh, he put Oregon on a level that Chip Kelly took over and was able to succeed with. Um, Chip Kelly gets a lot of credit for the types of offenses he brought in and how flashy they were, how fun they were to watch. 
But Mike Bellotti built the base of Oregon. I mean, and it, you can go back before that and say it was Rich Brooks who built the base for Mike Bellotti to take over. Bellotti improved upon it and left it. And you're right, it, it, they should have been in the championship game. Nebraska mm-hmm. just got bashed by Colorado in their championship game. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's thinking, okay, Oregon's going to the BCS and Nebraska will go somewhere else and Colorado's going to play in the Fiesta Bowl. Instead, they put Nebraska, who just got thrashed in their championship game against Miami in that in that BCS championship game, which was so Oregon takes on Colorado and takes out their frustrations. But it was Mike Bellotti um, building a base of a team and recruiting the kids that got along. I think that's an important part of the success of, of a season, and that is how well the players respect and enjoy playing with each other. Um, mm-hmm. And that 2000, 2001, 2002 era, th- those guys liked each other. It was a lot of fun. It was a fun mm-hmm. team. Uh, and I see that with this team. Guys just – and I think it's because of Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning is special. And I said this when the season started. In fact, I said it last year. Dan Lanning will win a national championship for Oregon, the first one. He's just going to, and he's going to do it soon because he he's, he's just got that it factor. You hear that said about athletes. You know, what makes an athlete so good? How can a guy shoot that well? How do they do what they do? Well, they have the athleticism, but a lot of athletes do. They've got something beyond that. And Dan Lanning has something beyond that. And you, when you see him do a pregame speech or a postgame speech or you listen to him talk, you feel it. You sense it. People talk about it. Um, so I think that, along with the, the kids that are on this team right now, respecting each other and liking each other so much, led by a quarterback who should win the Heisman. You put all those things together, and that's what a successful team is. And, and Oregon is not the only one. I think Georgia is there, and Coach Lanning was a part of that. He knows what it takes to be successful. It's not just getting really good athletes who can tackle, catch, or run, or whatever, but they've got to have all of those things. And so Oregon has got all of those things right now, and I'm, it's fun to be a part of it, to, to sit back and see it and and. and Enjoy the moment. Not a lot of teams in the nation right now are enjoying the moment that Oregon is enjoying right now. It's been really interesting to watch over the past, I'd say probably over the past month, as that kind of reality has started to set in a little bit for Oregon fans. And, you know, Oregon fans, I think, like we said earlier, are superstitious. They've been bitten several times before. They've gotten to that game and haven't quite gotten over the hump. So I think that they're a little bit, um, you know, I guess I'd say just scared and apprehensive to, you know, let themselves believe again. But we've started to see a little bit of belief from the fans. And like you said, I think, you know, the fans ability to see some of these pregame and postgame speeches from Dan Lanning, thanks to the cinematic recaps has been incredible because they see the buy-in from the team. They see the buy-in from the players and how much they love each other. And it's, you know, I, I agree. I've, I've seen a lot of Oregon seasons, not as, not even close to as many as you have, obviously, but there is something a little bit special, a little bit different about this team. I don't know that they can do it this year. I believe they have the ability to. I don't know that they they will. We'll see. A lot of things need to happen. But um, it would not surprise me because this team feels a little bit different. I think they can get there. Yeah, they, they can. They're, they are one of several teams, a group of teams who are all good enough to win a national championship. Now, win a national championship, you have to have along the way a little luck. You need mm-hmm. some things to bounce your way. You need to just have some things happen 
that go beyond your talent and everything you have. It's just something that that the, the championship teams get when you, when it's all over, you look back and you can look at those moments and say, wow, when that happened, when that happened, I mean, one of those moments in 94 was Kenny Wheaton making an interception at an opportune time that got Oregon a win an improbable win that would eventually get them to the Rose bowl that year. So mm-hmm. Oregon is good enough to win a national championship. There's no doubt about it. Washington's good enough. Georgia, Ohio state, they're all good enough, but it's, it's how they put each game together what bounces the ball, what luck, what flags fly, which ones don't, uh, that will determine whether you get there. Oregon's good enough to get there. Got to go one game at a time, though. And there's nothing wrong with being excited and wanting it, and there's nothing wrong with being nervous about maybe you think it won't happen because it hasn't happened before. You can't let that take away from your enjoyment of what you're seeing. If it happens, you're there along for the ride. Don't let yourself sit back and not enjoy it because you're tight and worried they might make a mistake or might do something wrong. That's something I've had to teach myself through the years. Let them play. Enjoy the moment. If it works and it, if, you, if you end up being there, the ride was even better. I think that's a, a very good message to Oregon fans because that's probably how everyone's feeling right now. They're extremely nervous but having a lot of fun along the good. way. Good. Uh, with that, let's end it right there. Thank you so much, Jerry, for coming on. It was incredibly fun to have you on to talk. You've got uh, the coaches show every week. What's the schedule with that this week with the holiday? What are you guys doing? Yeah, well, the holiday, because of the short week, they backed everything up practice-wise. So their Mm -hmm. Wednesday is when we normally would have the coach on is actually their Thursday this week. So Mm -hmm. we're not going to have a coaches show. Thanksgiving thrown in there and people planning Wednesday evening, getting ready for the next day. So no coaches show this week. And we'll let you know whether we're going to do one prior to whatever next game Oregon might be in. Okay, sounds good. Well, I will. Uh, I'll see you on Friday afternoon in Austin Stadium. I can't wait for it. Um, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, and thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it, uh, Zach. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. It's been a lot of fun. I just the, going down memory lane is something special. I thank you for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. All right, thank you again to Jerry for hopping on. Before I end the show, I just want to offer a few of my quick thoughts on this actual matchup because. Uh, I will not be back on for another podcast until uh, this weekend after the game. That'll probably be on Saturday when I record that. Um, Just some general thoughts. I think this game really comes down to Oregon's ability to protect Bo Nix and the Ducks' ability to throw the ball. Um, Two of those things, two things that I, you know, Oregon's really good at. It's it's safe to say they they lead the nation in completion percentage. They lead the nation in in sacks allowed. So it's it's not hard to think that they should be able to succeed at both of those things. Likewise, Oregon State, they've got a really good defensive line. They rank fifth in the nation in total sacks this year. Um, however, they're 63rd in passing defense, so they're pretty average when it comes to stopping the pass, but they are able to get after the quarterback. So, um, you know, teams that are able to give their quarterback time and, you know, if Oregon can give Bonex time and give him a chance to look down the field and keep his eyes down the field, find the open receiver. I think that Oregon's going to have a lot, a lot of success and they should be able to exploit that pretty well. Um, Oregon state's pretty good against the run. I don't know that this is a game where Oregon is going to, you know, just absolutely run wild. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to be solid. Bucky Irving and Jordan James are so good that I don't have any concern that they're going to have a bad game or anything, but Oregon state is 17th in the nation against the run. They allow about 103 yards per game on the ground. So um, I think offensively, this is a game where the Ducks are going to try and air it out, which, you know, we've seen them do 
a ton this season, a ton over the past few games. So I think they kind of stay with that because it's been working for them. Defensively for the Ducks, I think it's going to be a lot about shutting down the run. Uh, Oregon State is a really good running team. Damian Martinez, true sophomore, um, he's an incredibly good player. He's definitely a future NFL running back. Um, and Oregon State has a solid offensive line, too. They're capable of eating up yards on the ground and really just controlling games and controlling time of possession and just, you know, um, keeping opposing offenses off the field, which I'm sure that's what they're going to try and do against Oregon. I'm sure that the more time that Bo Nick spends on the sideline, Jonathan Smith is is happy. So um, that's one thing for, for the Ducks. They're going to have to really try and limit those first and second down carries for Oregon State and make sure they can get into third and long opportunities on defense and kind of force DJU to try and pass the ball. DJU, he's been solid this year, but he's shown a bit of um, a bit of inaccuracy so far. They've got the the fiftieth best passing nation uh, they've got the fiftieth best passing offense in the nation. Um, you know, they're they're solid but they don't have uh, those game breakers at wide receiver like Oregon does, or like some teams that Oregon's faced this year. The Ducks, if you look at Oregon's secondary compared to Oregon State's wide receiver group, you know it's no contest. Oregon just has better athletes matching up man-to-man. So they need to be able to lock down. They need to be able to cover in man-to-man scenarios and allow the front seven to kind of take care of run, take care of business up front. One other thing that Oregon really needs to focus on is keeping Oregon State out of the red zone. Um, they are they are one of the best teams in the nation when it comes to actually capitalizing on red zone opportunities. They score 97% of the time that they get into the red zone, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, which that's ranked second in the nation. So um, it, like I said, if the Ducks can get off the field in those third down opportunities, force a lot of punts, I've got no concern about their ability to win this game. But that's one thing. They can't allow these long drives. They can't allow a lot of time of possession. I think if Oregon State can win the time of possession in this game, they've got a good chance to win the game. So that's really something that that Oregon's going to need to limit. Right now, the spread, as I've seen it, is settling around Oregon minus 14. Um, I know you always say in rivalry games, you know, they bring out a lot of noise. You kind of got to throw the game plan, throw the spread out the window. When you look at this game specifically, there's some, some bad memories just from a year ago and the way that that game ended. But to be completely honest, I feel extremely confident about this game for the ducks, you know, knock on wood, do whatever you want to do. I think that in a vacuum, this is a game that Oregon can win by three touchdowns. I, it would not shock me if this is a, an uncompetitive game in the end. You look at just on paper, Oregon has better athletes, a better offense, a better defense. I would dare to say they've got better coaching at this point. They've got a better quarterback. Um, just across the board, they're they're better at so many positions. Um, and in the end, it's just going to come down to execution. They just need to execute, which is something that we've seen them do, especially this year under Dan Lanning. I don't really have many concerns that they're going to be outmatched at any place on the field this year. Looking forward, I think that, you know, in my opinion, this is going to be an Oregon 42 to 20 win, something around there. Um, Oregon State's going to get a few points, but I don't trust their defense and the ability to slow down Bo Nix. I don't think there's many defenses in the nation right now that can slow down Bo Nix. So um, I expect a comfortable victory. I don't think it'll be too stressful. Um, I know that's how we felt going into last year's game and that second half happened. So 
we'll see. But I, uh, I feel pretty confident. I think that Oregon fans feel pretty confident at this point too. All right. That's going to do it for us today. Um, like I said, I will be back on Saturday again. This is a Friday evening game on black Friday. So I will plan to record on Saturday morning, um, kind of wrap up. We'll know, you know, a lot more by then we'll have, I mean, whether Oregon wins or loses this game, we'll know whether or not they're in the Pac-12 championship game against Washington. So, um, I'll have that show out on Saturday to wrap that up and kind of preview hopefully the next week against Washington. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. I'll talk to you guys this weekend. Until then, take it easy.